Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed and Ted Wynn. Been a while, sorry. Now you guys have been uh, been begging us to, to come back. Uh, we got got some little vacations in, and uh, we're rested and ready to go. Uh, big week, right? NFL draft on Thursday, and uh, fired up and uh, ready to get you ready for the draft. Can't wait on those those seven day three picks that they have. You know, we're gonna be be rolling all the way through the end of the seventh Package round. Package them, baby. Package yeah, we, we, them. We need all some up. trades move up. up. Move up. Dave Ziegler, Josh Daniels, if you're listening to this, please trade up. I'm just ready for this anonymous scout season part of the draft to be over with. Seems like things are getting real toxic now that it's coming up upon us. Yeah, every year there's there's there come up this gossip comes out about guys. You hear about you know, cognitive test scores and this guy is a bad guy. And a lot of times it's just teams want these guys to drop on the draft board. So it's kind of a it's kind of scandalous. I mean, that's the way it is. It's kind of the nature of the business. But um, yeah, I'm very excited about this. It's the first you know first round pick of the new regime. Um, I think this is a very important draft for these guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. As you stand, as you look at it, 12 picks that they hold. Um, if you go based on the the mock draft that uh, Vic and Deshaun put together, they even added a couple of more with some trades back. And uh, you know, 12 rookies won't make this team. 14 rookies definitely won't make this team. All, all 14 of those players you guys picked in your mock draft. Um, you know, obviously, when you're doing a mock draft, you, you, you're really kind of you. Put like 90% of the attention on your mock draft on figuring out that first round pick, especially when it's a top 10. But certainly, if they get if they gain extra picks in the second, the third, the fourth round, or whatever, you could see a scenario where they're going to probably be doing some packaging up and, and moving up because I mean they understand that 12 picks, 14 picks, um, those aren't all making the draft. And so I, there could be scenarios where a trade back in that first round is even about acquiring more picks for next year's draft just because they do already have so many in this year that you know kind of building toward the future and adding you know let's say somebody is going to offer you a third round pick this year or a second round pick next year you might be more inclined to to go to that future route yeah my sense is they definitely if they are in a situation where they look to trade down from number seven they would be pressing for future picks maybe a little bit more than this year's picks. Now, obviously, if you're talking a day three selection, like a second round pick, a third round pick, I don't think they'd be too choosy with that. Like those those picks are valuable right now to them. But if you start getting into the day three pick range where somebody's offering fourth rounders and fifth rounders, then I, I could see them trying to, you know, turn those into future fourths and fifths, um, you know, in, in years where they maybe don't have as much, you know, extra draft capital towards the end of the draft. And so, but I think also what people have to realize and like, you know, this probably played out to a degree with them taking Clee Farrell number four back a couple of years ago is like you can want to trade back, but like somebody has to want to trade up. Like it's, it's not guaranteed that somebody wants your pick, you know, and I mean, you know, we can think, you know, let's say Will Levis is there at seven. Like for sure, some quarterback desperate team is going to make them offer to move up, but maybe they don't, you know. And so it's, it's a very fluid process that runs through draft night. And I think we kind of lose track of that sometimes. Yeah, Vic, you love the story of DJ Hayden, right? Who uh, ends up being a. <laughs> I don't love the story. It's, it's a sad story. Um, yeah, they would have taken, Reggie would have taken DJ Hayden third, um, but he was trying to find a trade partner down, came down in the last second, and they didn't get a really good a really good deal in terms of what they got back was not really what you should get back for that high a pick. But they're kind of desperate, and that's what happens if you get you know, on the clock and the, the seconds are ticking away and you don't, you know, don't have anybody else that you really want to get at that high. So. It definitely is a tough business when you get in the clock. You want to trade down, and teams know that. Teams uh, depends what they want, like Deshaun said. But I think in this in this draft with the quarterbacks, with Jalen Carter, 
the corner and the cornerbacks is a great class. So I think there's enough guys where teams may want to trade up and get someone at seven if you want to trade down. You know, the lesson learned with those past regimes and even the Gruden regime is like drafting is hard. Like if you fall in love with a player too much and you're so convicted on him, that usually leads to mistakes, especially when you're you know, having to reach for these guys because the value is all off. Like you should fall in love with a group of guys and be good with picking out of that group. But, you know, that's where you get in trouble is when you just, you know, love a guy so much, you're going to take him no matter no matter what the value is at, at that point in the draft. Yeah, I mean, obviously that 2019 draft where you talk about Cleveland Furl is a tricky one because it was pretty much viewed as, as you know, the first three picks were, were the, you know, Kyler Murray, and then you got Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams, who are two guys that they would have absolutely loved to have gotten their hands on. And then after that, it was, there was a lot of mixed, you know, kind of scouting reports on who was next. I mean, Cleveland Furl was a guy that nobody was talking about as a number four pick, but, um, you know, Devin White, I think, was the guy that we were all kind of looking at. And, I mean, certainly that's a draft that, that produces Josh Allen. And, um, you know, in, in retrospect, uh, he would have loved to have grabbed him, but obviously they were, that was, that was not anywhere kind of in your mind uh, to grab a quarterback when you're up at the number four pick there. And let's have enough of that and, and move on to, to this year's draft. And we'll take a look at um, the mock draft that Vic and Tashan put together out on Monday on The Athletic. Um, you guys traded back twice. Uh, first, from number seven to number 12 with the Texans. The Texans came up and drafted Jalen Carter um, and gave you pick number 65 and then went from 12 to 17 and got number 80. So added two extra third round picks, um, gave you six picks in the top 60. But then when you got to pick 17, you guys couldn't agree. And Tashawn, you went with... uh, you went with Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia. Vic, you took Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. Let's kind of uh, explain your rationale for both those picks. Yeah, I think with Smith, you know, he was just to me, you know, the best defensive player available, um, which, which was the focus at that point in the first round. Uh, as you get towards kind of the, the second half of it, you know, he's somebody that you know isn't probably wouldn't start, you know, this season considering they have Chandler Jones and. Even though Chandler is coming off a, a bad season, I would I would expect, especially with his salary, for him to be the starter to kick off the year. But you know, Smith is somebody that could be a, a really high end, you know, third pass rusher in the rotation, and also he's like a, a super effective run defender. Like he's a smaller guy, but he's he's elite in that aspect, and that's not necessarily Chandler Jones' strong suit. And so I think on maybe some of those more obvious rushing downs, he could you know, rotate in for him and, and do a better job of setting the edge. And he's, he's really a complete player. Um, he's not necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be like a 12 to 15 sack guy every year, but, you know, maybe eight to 10 and, and be a really good run defender and be a consistent, you know, starter, you know, for years to come. Because I think, you know, even if, you know, Chandler Jones has a great season this year, like they're, they're probably going to at least look to restructure his, his deal, if not move on after this season. And so next year, you know, Smith could become, you know, a full-time starter for them. You know, obviously you, ideally you always turn your first round pick into a day one starter, but I think if he's a productive defender, especially considering how bad their defense is and and is somebody that is going to be a starter next year in in almost all likelihood, um, I I still think that would be a win for them in the first round. Yeah, to me, I really like the uh, the cornerbacks in this draft, especially the the three at the top, uh, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Devon Witherspoon, and Joy Porter. I think, um, I'd have no problems with uh, staying at seven and taking either Gonzalez or Witherspoon, but I think maybe you get more value if he gets more picks, trade down. And I think Porter is a really good player. I think he's uh, he's got the size you want. He's good in coverage. Uh, he plays the ball well. He can tackle well. He's got the pedigree. His dad was a big-time player, and I think he has some of that, that's nasty to him. So I just love I love all three of these guys. I really do. I think if you're the Raiders, you can get one of these three guys in this draft and kind of turn a weak spot on your defense to a strong point and have a number one guy for years to come. To me, that would be a great start uh, to, to your draft. I like this cornerback group, too. It's not that I don't like Joey Porter. I think uh, I just I view personally, I think Gonzalez and, and Witherspoon are like the top two guys. And I think there's like a separation between them and the next crop of cornerbacks. Um, and so I felt like, you know, especially with, with us adding some of those picks later on, that we could still get a, a guy that could start in year one, you know, in that second round. Um, and so because they need everything on defense pretty much. And so I was just trying to find ways to maybe check multiple boxes and, and starting caliber guys. It wasn't, you know, I think Joey Porter is going to be a, a year one starter as well. So it's definitely no, no diss towards him. And Vic, I know part of your thing, you like Nolan Smith, but you have questions about whether or not he's going to be there at 17. And that's obviously the hard part about, you know, doing these uh, mock drafts is like, 
we can all do the perfect mock draft um, and, and sit there and tout it like, ah, if they had just done that. But um, we really don't know ultimately where whether or not these guys are actually going to be there, especially when we're trading down. Yeah, there's so much buzz. You know, some of it's fake buzz, some of it's smoke. The team's having these, these plans. They want to get things done. But I do believe like there is a lot of buzz about Will Levis going number two all of a sudden. He's the, the bang favorite in, in most markets now to go second in the draft, which I think is pretty interesting. I think um, a lot of buzz about Nolan Smith going top 10 now. I think he's had a really good offseason in terms of the visits and the, the combine and just kind of, I think teams like what he can do in terms of his versatility and his dynamic athletic ability. So uh, I think he'll be gone by 17. There's another reason why I went with, uh, with Joey Porter. All right, we're going to move on to round two. We're not going to go through every one of these picks, but um, when we look at uh, at round two, pick number 38, you guys uh, essentially fl- flipped your uh, your order. Deshaun, you went for the cornerback here. Vic, you went for the edge rusher. Uh, Deshaun goes with Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. Vic takes Iowa State's Will McDonald the fourth. These are two positions, obviously, the Raiders need, um, need starting level you know, starting level cornerbacks. They need at least a, a third edge rusher who can be an impact player. Uh, what did you guys like about those picks? Yeah, I think with Emmanuel, you know, he's the size does scare you a little bit. He's 166. So I think he'd be the lightest, lightest guy on his call right now, pretty sure. Um, but he but he does have, you know, elite speed. He's really long. You know, he has the height that you want. Physical press man corner, good fundamentals. Um, he's a willing tackler, even though he's, you know, on the lighter end. And and I think his his frame is one that could aim some weight, gain some weight with a little bit more intentionality with that the NFL meal plan and strength staff. And um, I think he's a guy that could, could compete for a starting role in year one. I mean, like they don't really have, you know, guys, I, w- I would say they're locked in t- into those outside starting corner spots. Like I think we expect Nate Hobbs to be a starting nickelback, but I think it's a rookie could pretty, I wouldn't say easily, but like there's, there's a window there, you know, for him to be a starter right away. Um, and he has a lot of those traits that um, GM Dave Ziegler, you know, laid it out last week. You know, they they really want those complete cornerbacks that can play man, play zone. Um, you know, be physical, but also have smooth fundamentals. You know, can can support in the run game, and I think he checks all those boxes. And you know, he's definitely going to get into some situations where maybe if he's going against a more physical receiver like a Jamar Chase or something like that, like you, you may not be able to win with him at the line of scrimmage in terms of trying to press him. But I think looking ahead long term, he has a, a lot of upside. Yeah, I think when Deshaun and I were in the war room, we were definitely on the same page. We wanted to address you know, the D-line and cornerback. We just did it in a different order. I think um, I like his guy a lot, too. But I just think uh, if I got a cornerback in the first round, I'd go with uh, Will McDonald, who's uh, a little undersized. I think he's, was he, 6'4", 239. But he's got long arms. He's uh, You watch his tape. He definitely uh, he jumps off the off the screen, definitely explosive, can get to the quarterback. I think he's a guy who can help your pass rush. Even with Chandler Jones, some kind of capacity, he can be your third guy. He can move someone inside. But I think he definitely gets that push you need uh, to get the quarterback in this division. So um, that's the guy I took in, in round two. All right, we're going to get to a couple more picks here. Uh, third round with that number 65, that extra pick that you guys got from the Texans from trading down. You guys both went tight end. Uh, Tashawn goes with Iowa's Sam Laporta. Vic, you go with Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, Laporte is kind of an intriguing pick because Dane Brugler and his draft guy compares him to Austin Hooper and the Raiders already have Austin Hooper. But I do think Hooper is a little bit, I won't say he's, he's 28, so he he still probably has a couple years left in him. But I think we've seen his peak years. Um, I think he's just like a solid guy at this point. Maybe he he might be better off as a a second tight end in a rotation. Um, But I think Laporta... Has more upside. Obviously, he's a lot younger, but similar receiving ability. And I think he could, he could be a better blocker um, maybe than Hooper was early on in his career. And so, you know, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I do think he's a starting starting caliber tight end, basically a good enough starter, which, you know, when you have Devontae Adams and uh, Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro, like it, like you don't necessarily need like Travis Kelsey at tight end. Um, obviously, it'd be nice, but um, I, I think he just gives them a nice, solid, starting caliber, reliable guy who's pretty young and, and they could develop him into potentially being more over time. Yeah, Dane definitely got in my head because the whole uh, Austin Hooper comparison. Uh, Hooper is great. I don't need two Austin Hoopers. If I got one, I don't need the 1.0 or 2.0. So uh, I like Kraft. Kraft is a very physical guy. I think he can block well. He can. You see him after the catch. He makes plays in terms of breaking tackles. He kind of has a, a nose for the first down marker. And I think he also is a guy who can get better. He's a little raw. Obviously, South Dakota State's not a, a hotbed of, of football. But uh, I think he projects pretty well to be a guy you can count on pretty soon. Uh, this year in terms of making plays and making a difference both in blocking and, and catching the ball. 
Right, we're going to get shortly into the quarterback rankings. Ted's going to kind of run through his, how he sees the guys. But um, you guys did attempt early on in this draft to see if you can move up to number three and, and you know, with the Cardinals. Obviously, that's a pick that everyone thinks could be for sale and believes could be for sale and, and try to get a quarterback there. You didn't do that. You guys both went um, into the mid-rounds before grabbing one, and you got the same one. Jake Hayner, Fresno State, um, keeping the tradition alive of having a Fresno State uh, quarterback on this roster. Uh, Vic, you... Uh, you jumped the gun on the fourth round. Tishon waited around to the fifth round to grab him. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, he doesn't like the comparison, but uh, everyone, is, is, you know, pretty much immediately we started calling him uh, this year's this draft's uh, Brock Purdy, and you know, we'll see. I mean, it's uh, Brock Purdy has certainly brought more attention to the uh, the undersized quarterbacks that uh, he's given reason to get more excited about these kind of guys than uh, he might have otherwise. Yeah, to me, I think it's important in this draft. You walk away with, I think, ideally, three guys who can start in defense and a young quarterback you can kind of groom and maybe, if not be the number one guy, can definitely be your number two guy you know, for a long time going forward. A guy that definitely makes a part of your future. So I like Hayner's traits. He's definitely a little undersized, but uh, he makes plays. He's tough, man. I mean, people, yeah, as a Fresno State comparison with Derek Carr, but I think he's a little tougher than Derek is in terms of sitting in the pocket and, and being a little grittier than Derek is. Doesn't have the arm talent. Derek does, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't be going uh, this late in the drafts. But he's a tough kid. He's smart. Uh, I get why he doesn't like the Brock Purdy comparisons because Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. So you're kind of saying, hey, man, you suck, but you may be better than we think you are. That's not – I don't want to hear that from him. I, I, I get it. But um, I like him. He's, um, he comes across well when we talk to him. and I think he did well in the visits with the Raiders. So I think um, he's a guy on their radar. And to me, like I said, this draft is all about getting – Defensive starters and a young quarterback. He checks that box uh, for me. Yeah, I don't think Hayner is ever going to be more than a backup, but I think that's a fine outcome. I mean, like right now, Brian Hoyer, obviously he's not, you know, playing much longer at his age. And your your, your man's Chase Garber. Uh, Garber's probably isn't going to be around too much longer either. It's my so guy. They, they, they need a young guy that they can develop up into that, that reliable backup, you know, after losing Jared Stidham. Somebody can teach the system and have him around you know for a few years um especially like where i took him in the fifth round like if if he's only ever a backup i think that's fine like you know he doesn't have to become a starter one day for that pick to to be a solid one and just philosophically that's something you know if you you go with the patriots connection that's something the patriots you know like to do they like to grab that that developmental quarterback i mean we saw him you know use a second round pick on garoppolo even though they had tom brady i mean they they're a team that's always going to look to develop that guy whether and they're fine with that you know drafting that guy if it's fairly early even if it's just to be their backup um that's something they tend to do i think what stidham was with a fourth round pick for them i believe or uh, fourth or fifth round pick um so that's that's something you would expect probably to happen fairly regularly every couple of years even if they have uh, have their guy as their starter um but ted let's let's get into the the high-end quarterbacks in this draft and in this mock um you know the the Vic and Deshaun did attempt to go up and, and, and see about getting one. They didn't. I don't think any of us expect that that's probably what they're going to do, but um, it's certainly on the table. How do you break down, you know, the, this quarterback class? It's it's obviously it's it's ridden a wave, you know, for a while. It started out as Bryce Young was the number one guy. And then C.J. Stroud kind of became the number one guy. Now it seems like it's back to Bryce Young and Stroud's taking a dip. Just when you look at, you know, how, the way you look at him, look at him on film. Um, how do you break down this class? I think Bryce Young is very clearly the the number one quarterback in this class. I mean, you know, when you have a guy that has his size, you know, you don't typically see him being number one in so many people's boards, but he just does so many of the things you have to do as a quarterback well, like process, play within the pocket, you know, be in charge of protections and uh, then just dazzle out, out of structure you know, that's why he's number one. And, you know, he's very similar to Joe Burrow. I don't think he's as athletic as Joe Burrow and obviously not as big, but just that ability to play with the pocket. You just don't see quarterbacks with that sort of maturity that often. He's my number one quarterback and he, you know, he should pr probably going to be the number one pick. So the Raiders don't have a chance at him. CJ Stroud is my, my number two guy, extremely accurate. The critiques on him is he just wasn't very successful creating or wasn't very willing to create outside of structure until that game against Georgia where, you know, all of a sudden he just started making all these plays out of pocket, getting away from pressure and doing all those things. And before seeing uh, these connections with the Raiders and rumors that the Raiders might move up to get him, 
I compared him to a more athletic Derek Carr, you know, because there's sometimes where he just doesn't, he has the ability to create and run, but he just doesn't want to do it. And he's very accurate. You'll see those flashes of arm talent. But with CJ Stroud, I, I don't know if he has that elite ceiling, that ceiling to get to the top tier of quarterbacks. I think you know, he could be a very good tier two type of quarterback. But with him, I just question whether he has that ceiling, but he does have the highest floor. Uh, of the quarterbacks in this draft. And I, I would say he, he might even have a higher floor than Bryce Young, just because we don't know if Bryce Young could, you know, really take that NFL punishment with his size quite yet. Number three is Anthony Richardson. We all know about Anthony Richardson's athleticism. I don't think he gets enough credit for playing quarterback, playing within structure, doing those quarterback type of things like change protections and go through progressions. He has great pocket presence. Obviously the accuracy is an issue, but I think, you know, just based on watching his tape, Part of his accuracy issues were the Florida offense, they did not throw bubble screens. They didn't do those things that kind of prop up a quarterback's completion percentage. The receivers there were really bad as far as catching the ball, as far as getting open. Um, and I think a lot of those accuracy issues could be fixed with better technique, footwork improvements, and we've seen quarterbacks do that in NFL in recent years. Uh, well, Levis is my number four quarterback. He's the last guy that I'll give a first-round grade to. Probably the worst supporting cast of any first-round quarterback in the past few years. Really bad offensive line. Receivers can't get open. But great arm talent. A little bit older at 24 years old. He's also a threat on the ground as well. Uh, so he has all the tools you want. And then Hedden Hooker is my number two quarterback. He's going to be an older prospect. He's going to be one year younger than Lamar Jackson, who's played in the league for five five years already, to put that in perspective. He's coming off an ACL injury, plays in a really funky offense that might have engraved some bad habits in him. I see the traits. I can see why teams like him, but he's a second-round type of guy. So as far as Richardson, I wouldn't bat an eye if he he went number one. I think, you know, I could I could see why teams would want to bet on that ceiling and, you know, with that, that physical profile as well. Yeah, I know I'm all in on Richardson, but... Uh... It's interesting with Stroud. Like I, we've come a long way. We got like the the black quarterback critique for not running. You know, that's that's that's, that's like a, a milestone moment. You know, but, um, but yeah, I think you know realistically for the Raiders, like Young and and Stroud just aren't going to be realistic options. Like you know, if if the Texans actually aren't going to take a quarterback at number two, maybe you could try to swing a trade up. But the price that it's going to cost, um, you know, compared to all the needs that they have, is just. It's hard to see them meeting it. And also, like, a more desperate team like the Colts. I feel like, you know, for one, they have a higher first-round pick, and they're more desperate. Like, they're going to be more willing to give up those assets. And so, like, even if they want to, I think it's going to be hard for them to win that bidding war. And so the most realistic outcomes seem to be either Richardson or Levis or both being there at seven. If it was me, you know, obviously I would take Richardson. I think you just bet on the upside. He's younger. You know, he needs to sit for a year, I think. And you have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who – you know, there's a competent starter as long as he's healthy. Um, it could hold you down for that year or maybe longer if need be um, while you work on developing that that guy. But Levis being older, his he turns the ball over a lot. Like I know people harp on like Richardson's accuracy, but I think I think Levis has 23 interceptions in his in his two years as a starter. Um, he had really bad pocket presence. Um, so he has a lot of talent, but I just don't know, especially with him being older, almost 25 years old. Like, can you get him out of those bad habits? soon enough to really take advantage of him being on that the Ricky Sale contract and for him to kind of salvage and, and maximize his potential. And so, you know, like Hendon Hooker, like I, I think for me, like it's it, it's tough for me to anyway, like especially since you had to probably take him in the second round, like to justify a 25-year-old quarterback coming off an ACL injury who played in a super simple offense that has to learn Josh McDaniel's complex-ass offense that Derek Carr struggled to get, apparently. I just, I don't know, like – I think you know you could you could use that that resource better off, especially considering all their needs on on defense or even on the offensive line. You know, adding a player there, um, and so I think once you get past your top three guys, um, you know, Young, Stroud, and Richardson, I think it's better off just waiting until like one of those day three guys, like me and Vic did in our mock draft, more of a developmental backup type who maybe has a chance to become more, but probably not. Yeah, my favorite quarterback is Stroud. I think in the Stroud, I think he's like you said, the most accurate. I think he. Uh, I know people talk about the cognitive test the last few weeks, but he he plays smart. He uh, can make plays with his feet. I mean, I think he did it in the last game, and I think that bodes well for the future. I don't understand why he wouldn't be in the top two. I think I've been saying all along, you know, draft defense, trade down, yada yada yada. But if C.J. Stroud's there at three, 
I might change my whole plan and try to move up. I think he's that good. I think he's a guy who, I guess I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. So I would be, uh, I'd be surprised if other Raiders if he was there and I probably would be, would be aggressive. But um, otherwise, I, th- I think uh, Ted's uh, rankings are pretty on point. I think, like you said, Levis has got a lot of issues, but I mean, his receivers were Deshaun and myself. We were his two receivers last year. So he didn't have a lot of options as far as throwing the ball. Um, and I think he were just in a kind of similar in terms of they have some great tape. Some awful tape, some great traits, some bad traits. I think they're very similar to me. They're kind of both boomer bust prospects, which I think um, is always dangerous at this higher draft. So, yeah, I'm cool with uh, what enough quarterbacks, you know, go somewhere else, get in defense. But again, if, if CJ Stroud's there at three because of all these uh, dumb rumors, then I would definitely do be aggressive all of a sudden and try and move up. So, how aggressive are we talking? Would you give up this year's first and next year's first? Ah. Uh... Yeah, because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be good, right? So next year's first won't be worth much. I'm I'm having a good record this year, so what I care about next year's first. And also, probably, like with that, I mean, what do you? I mean, what do you do? Like, do you not start CJ Stroud this year? No, you compete. That's what then uh, Ziegler said the other day that they can compete. I mean, uh, again, I just think that if you are up, if you are picking seventh, it's a it's a rare chance to get a guy who can be a franchise quarterback. I thought that wasn't going to be there because again, I think Young and Stroud are above their two guys, and Bryce have. I question the whole size thing more than some people do. I'm not sure that's going to work for him at the next level. That's why I like Stroud better. And he's more accurate, I think, than, than Bryce Young is. So I think he's a difference maker. I think he's a guy who can be your franchise quarterback. And so the chances to get one of those guys is rare. So I think if you're at seven, it is going to cost you to move up, but not you know as much as it would in other years when you're further down the draft board. So in that case, I probably would give up this year's first, next year's first. But if I'm Ziegler and McDaniels, it buys me – Buys me more time too. I have a longer, I got a lot longer to get this thing going. But um, to me, like I said, that you have it's rare to have a chance to get who I think is a top quarterback in the draft, and that's that's just my belief. So if he if that chance is there, and get him at three, I'd probably be aggressive. This defense is never going to be good, right? We just blow it all. You blow it all. Need first draft pick. Okay, I never thought he did. I thought he was going to go first, like two months ago. So I never thought he'd be even like this. I mean, who knows what happens? Again, these rumors—you never know what they're based on. But if he does fall, if Levis somehow goes second, and and CJ Stroud is their third, then I would definitely uh, take advantage of that because just going off the game film for me. He was the best quarterback last year, and I think things changed through this process, the offseason, you know, but if you just rely on the film, he plays smart, he's accurate, um, he can make plays with his feet. I know he didn't want to at times because um, yeah, he had so many weapons around him, and I don't blame him. He wanted to give the ball to the guys who actually are, you know, are paid to do that. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I think he's the best quarterback. So that would change my opinion and my, my viewpoint of how to approach things if he was there at three. And I mean, you do have the luxury of being able to give him extra time to learn that McDaniels offense. It's so complex. Everyone says it's a hard offense to learn. You do have that luxury of giving him extra time. You let him compete with Garoppolo. And it's not a terrible thing if, if Garoppolo beats him out and say, hey, you know, that's, that's the money we spent was to have a reliable starter and a guy that can, can groom our quarterback. I mean, obviously, when you take a quarterback number three, you don't want him sitting for very long. But I'm talking if he has to if he sits behind him for the first month or so. And the odds of Garoppolo either getting hurt or having some struggles at some point this season are are fairly high. So, I mean, you do have that luxury of letting him have a little extra time to learn the McDaniels offense if you need it. Yeah, and again, Stroud's the only guy I would trade up for. I wouldn't trade up for anybody else. So that'd be the one case where I I thought one or two would be too high, but three is still going to be expensive. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, at that point, I mean, who was supposed to move up and who you're competing against as far as trade offers. But um, yeah, I definitely would be in the mix if he was there at three. And also, like, I think um, I think one more like possibility is, and I don't know, I don't know how they feel about the four guys, but let's say there is a quarterback still available at number five with the Seahawks that they like. Like a smaller trade up is also possible. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be seven to two or seven to three. Like if there's a, you know, there, there could be a smaller move made there to maybe land a quarterback if they feel strong enough about one. Did you guys have an opportunity to draft a quarterback at seven before you traded down? Yeah, his name was Will Levis. Wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, we, he wasn't budging on that one. I, I agree with him. I'm not as down on Levis as Deshaun is, but definitely to me, he's too boomer bust for me. I, I can get a stud defensive player. I can trade down, get a stud defensive player. I'm, I'm doing that. Again, uh, the only quarterback that really gets me excited – in terms of, of mortgaging my future, trading picks to move up and get one is, is Stroud. To me, a good scenario for the Raiders would be if 
the Texans pass on a quarterback and the Colts really are in love with Levis and pick him. And then, you know, you, and then you have a possibility of picking up to a number five pick, like Deshaun said, and you might have Stroud or Richardson there. The Texans can't pick a non-quarterback a number two, right? If they're not taking a quarterback, they've got to trade that. It I mean, could be the Colts, the Colts, though. Yeah, you would think the Colts would jump up to two. I was going to say, there's no way Houston or Arizona stands pat if the, if the quarterback is there at two or three. I mean, they're going to trade down because Arizona. I think Ted's and Eric still work. Because like, let's say the Colts trade up to two and take Levis. The Cardinals go defense at three. The Texans go defense at – who would trade the three? Anybody. I mean, when CJ Stroud's there at three – so you're saying, yeah, I think that this could be the tech, the Titans yeah. could be. I mean, Titans. there's teams that can move up. The Seahawks even can move up to get. I mean, I think there'll be enough demand for Stroud at three. Where I think I don't know why Arizona would wouldn't take a defensive player when they can move down and get a defensive player three or four picks later. I think, or even two picks later. But I, I can't imagine Arizona takes a defensive player if if CJ Stroud's there at three. I think they got to trade down. Yeah, I think it, it just depends. Like. If because there's been a lot of stuff the last couple of weeks of people being down on Stroud all of a sudden, I just wonder like how much truth is it to that you know league wide? Like I guess you know he could maybe be there at five, but I don't. Again, I don't, I don't think he would be either. Like like you said, maybe the Titans or the Raiders or you know some other team would have to go up to three. But again, we don't know. This shit is very fluid. Like like you know we'll we'll see how it turns out. I think it's possible. It's probably not likely, but you know I think the 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 further he slides, the harder it is to justify not making that call to go up and go get him because he's just too good. Historically, quarterbacks go higher than everyone, I mean, even higher than people think they're going to go. It's always people are ultra aggressive for quarterbacks because such an important position. You got to take your people take chances every year on these guys. Uh, so I think that's why I think there's four guys going to go higher than people think. I think they're going to go, you know, probably all gone in the top 10, uh, if not higher. So I do think people will be aggressive in terms of trading up to get one of these four guys. Even Hooker, I think Hooker's going to go first round. I think Hooker, uh, based on the, the demand and the interest and how important the position is, I think he'll go first round, um, which, like you said, it's definitely it's a tough one because he, he's older. He's coming off ACL. His offense was not complex at all, but he made plays, and people like his personality and definitely is a leadership-type guy. So I, I do believe he'll go in the first round as, as well. Peter King had uh, Hooker going 12 and Richardson going 23 or something like that uh, on his mock draft. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So there, there you I go. Have to call no, Peter no, no, and have a conversation. <laughs> I mean, the thing on Hooker, like we talked about before, I mean, is is there's value if he's there in the twenties of, of of jumping up late into the first round to get him, just for the simple fact of having that fifth round option, having that extra year under contract, uh, add some value there. If you if you want to try to jump up, you know, we saw that's what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, and uh, and it helped them there. All right, we're talking about a lot of scenarios. Let's break down what is the best case scenario for the Raiders on Thursday. And no, Ted, do not say that Bryce Young falls to number seven and they take him there. Do, do not. I, I can see the look on your face, and I'm that's where you're going to go. Do uh, not say that. I would say being real, being realistic, because the trade up, given the the amount of teams that are going to be interested in trading up and the teams that are ahead of them, like Young and Stroud, probably isn't going to happen. So putting that to the side, like I think the best case scenario for them is honestly staying put at seven and getting to a point where they feel comfortable enough to do it. But the the player that just makes the most sense from a football perspective is Jalen Carter to me. I mean, he is the best defensive player I think that's going to be available at seven. I think he would unlock that defensive line in the middle with with Crosby and Jones on the edge. Like I just I just think he's like he could be like the second best player in his draft maybe um, on a lot of people's big boards. It's just you know the off the field stuff obviously. But if they were able to get to the point where they feel comfortable enough doing it, like. And they feel like they, they it's not going to. Obviously, you don't really know, but they they they're the risk averse. They they feel like he's you know enough enough risks are put to the side to do it. Like I think that's the best football outcome for them. Because otherwise, I mean, I mean, like they might have to you know you're reaching on a quarterback or you know maybe you end up in a situation where you know you're 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 taking you know you have to trade back and you end up with a not so good player, maybe a player who's not a year one starter. Like I think he could be like immediately like a really 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 good defensive tackle. So for me, like that's the best football outcome. Like you know, is you know, is all off the field stuff cleared up? Like I don't think we really know. I think that's going to be pretty fluid going through draft night again. But I think that's like the best, realistic anyway. Like you know, obviously them getting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young would be the best outcome. But like I don't, I just don't really know how they're going to pull that off. Jalen Carter scares me, man. I mean, I, you know, 
with all the off-field stuff. And but the, to show up at your pro day nine pounds heavier than you did at the combine, and just looked like you'd done absolutely nothing but sit on a couch all day, it scares me. You know, and then you're going to give him a huge contract. And I do think I think the Vegas factor is real for for players. So you know, you're going to put him in Vegas, give him a ton of money. Uh, it, it, it scares me w- with Carter, but um, say you know, I, I think the best case scenario I kind of laid it out earlier is if you know you get Young going number one, and then you get Levis going at you know two or three, and then somebody trades up and uh, picks Stroud, and then the Raiders have either a chance to pick Richardson at seven or or pick him at five. I mean, me and Sean talked about it. I were pretty infatuated with Richardson and his. Uh, potential. So uh, I, to me, that would be the best case realistic scenario. Yeah. I mean, John Carter is a phenomenal player, but I don't think they can take him. I, I'm pretty sure they won't. I think uh, he's just got too many question marks, the legal problems. Um, Henry Ruggsonson happened just two years ago. I think it's just, uh, it's too soon to take that kind of risk. If you're a new regime making your first pick, obviously you can take some risk, but that's a, that's a really big one to kind of stake your whole, your whole, your flag on. And, and I just think that, um, to me, the best case scenario is you get a defensive impact player. I think I love Devon Witherspoon. I mean, that'd be the guy I would want. I think he fits, and he's a, I think he's a big time player. Um, my fear there is the Lions need a cornerback pretty badly at six, so I think he'll probably be their guy. If not, Christian Gonzalez also I think is really good. But um, so I'd say take you know the best defensive player available if you can trade down and get a guy like Joy Porter or, or like Rashawn Nolan Smith and get more picks. It's probably even better. But to me, get a no doubt impact defensive player and start building a defense. I mean, I agree with Vic. I think adding that defensive impact player, they just have so few. They haven't, I mean, they have one, they have one defensive impact player and you could, you know, maybe throw Hobbs in there in the mix as, as a guy that, you know, he's really good as rookie or not as good as last year. Um, but if you can get him into his natural position, but if you're able to trade down a little bit, gather an extra asset that can maybe help you move back up. Like we talked about into the end of that first round, add a defensive impact player, and then take a flyer on Hendon Hooker in the, at the end of the uh, the first round. And, you know, I know there's concerns about his age and, and the injury that's going to push him back a year. But by getting him at the end of the first round, you get him for five years. You know, if he sits out, you know, is a backup, you know, whatever, starts the year um, on PUP, whatever happens uh, this first year. But if he's a starter by year two and you get four years of him starting on that first contract and then you sign him to another deal, if you get nine years out of him, that's not bad for a guy at the end of the first round. So that'd be my ideal scenario, defensive impact player after a trade down. And that trade down gives you the ammunition to come up and, and get hooker at the end of the first round. Yeah. But to be clear, going to what Ted said, like if, if Richardson is there at seven, like I would do it, but <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I run, could, run. Yeah, I, I could, but I could see how considering the needs that they have on the defensive side of the ball, the relative uncertainty about if he's ready, when will he be ready? If he's not, especially after we've seen in recent years, you know, the relative disasters with Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and things that I could see them getting. Cause once you take a guy that high top 10, like maybe at the end of the first round, maybe not as much, but like if you take a guy top 10, like that has to be your guy. And a lot of times if he's doesn't pan out, you're getting fired. And so you have to be, even at seven, you have to be very, 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 very certain. And compared to some of the defensive players that might be available, you know, even if it's not Jalen Carter, if it's Christian Gonzalez or Devon Witherspoon or somebody else that can help you like right now, I think all three of those players are year one starters and you and you don't put yourself in a situation where you're making a quarterback commitment already. And it's not even about next year because a lot of people keep saying that like, yeah, we can go get Caleb Williams or uh, Drake May next year. Like for one, they probably aren't going to be that bad. And for two, you just don't. You, you can't you can't make decisions that way. Like you just don't know how the board is going to fall out. If the team that has one or two is going to be willing to trade back, so you can get to one of those quarterbacks. So I don't, I don't think you're even doing it with that in mind. It's just you have to be really certain that this is your guy to take him that high. And I think there's a lot of reasons why they they may not end up being certain about a guy um, as as raw as Richardson. One guy we haven't talked about is uh, Tyree Wilson. What, what are our thoughts on him? He's a guy definitely be in that range for the Raiders at seven. What do, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, again, like with the quarterback, if you have a chance to get an impact defensive end, you kind of take advantage of that that spot. So what are you guys' thoughts on him? From my understanding is he will not be there. Like he's going top four. Wow. Top Breaking. five. So like, 
Well, that's, 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 that's the feel anyway. Like he's like really surging um, up draft boards. And like some people, man, are if he's going to top five and Levis is going top five, man, Raiders are sitting pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like seven yeah. players going top there's, five. There's a lot of uh, like some people are starting to have like the Will Anderson conversation with, with Wilson. Like it's it's getting pretty. Wow. It's a lot of buzz <clears> there. <throat> I don't agree with it, but some people, you know, apparently are starting to. So like, I mean, if he's there, that'd be a, a solid pick. You know, I think. For me, like I would, I would, I would probably be more leaning towards like trying to trade back if if he's like the best defensive player available. Like, let's say, I don't know, Gonzalez is gone, and you know they they don't feel like they can take Jalen Carter. I probably would just like look to look to trade back like we did in our mock draft. Um, but you know, I guess you you would probably think about it a little bit. I think there's probably some people that have him over Will Anderson at edge just because of his raw athleticism and the fact that you know they they think that he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. You know, he can improve on some technical things is get off and things like that where, you know, he, he has a really, really high ceiling. So, you know, I would think that'd be a, a good pick at seven if, he, if he's there. There's not a lot of mock drafts that have, have him at seven, but I mean, if he's there, I can, I can see why they would want to draft him. The guy has an incredibly high ceiling. I got a whole new scenario, man. If that's going to happen, I want to trade up for Will Anderson. I want to get, can I get to five and get him? That's the guy I want. Now, if he's going to fall to five, give me Will Anderson. That's perfect for them. I think that's a guy, talk about playmaker. My goodness. Uh, well, let's quickly uh, let, let's let's hit worst case scenario. They stay us. They they can't trade up. <laughs> they take offensive tackle. They they, they also can't trade down. And Peter they have to not impossible. And they, and they not impossible. They they have to pick somebody at seven that they don't really think is worth the seventh overall pick. Like who Some that player guy, is, I don't know. But some like, guy's name Peter Skaransky at the, the tackle. Yeah. They take, they, take a, they take a guard, a Northwestern guard at number seven because they can't do shit and everybody else they like is gone. Uh, head and hooker at seven would be really bad. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that's a good one, Ted. I never thought of that possibility. You got to get your guy, though, man. If you love your guy, you got to get him. Got to get your guy. Get your guy. Yeah, I just think in any scenario, they don't draft a defensive player or a quarterback to me is a fail. Yeah, a quarterback who you – Expect to be starting at some point this this season or impact defensive player. Um, all right, we are going to uh, we're going to all make our pick, but before that, we're going to quickly hit one other question. Give me everybody, give me one sleeper player. Does not have to be a first rounder. Can be a, can be a seventh rounder. Can be wherever you want. Uh, one sleeper pick, a guy that uh, that we haven't talked about that you like in this draft. I'll go first. I got a defensive guy. I'm in love with uh, Carl Brooks. He's a D tackle slash oh, DM. That wow. was my guy. I saw well, him at the good. Senior Bowl in we're, person. We're in the same, like, that we're in the same war room. That's good. Yeah. If we agree, that's it's, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to happen. That's agreement. In, that's agreement in the draft. <laughs> we had, we had, Come on, consensus we had building. We this. Well, obviously, we're thinking the same way. But uh, yeah, it's a guy I like a lot. He um, gets to the quarterback. He's a little. Um, he moves really well for a guy. Um, he was about I think he's three hundred pounds. Yeah, big time playmaker. Bowling Green, obviously not the greatest level of competition, but. I think he projects well as a guy you can get to the quarterback inside, can play a little outside if you have to. So he's a guy I like a lot. Maybe the beginning of day three, maybe um, you wake up on Saturday morning, that's the guy you target. But um, sorry, Deshaun, steal your thunder, but go ahead. No, Ted, you go. <laughs> I got to think about somebody else now. <laughs> How about Deshaun Manning, guard from – no, I'm just kidding. I just looked up a random guard on uh, Dane Brooks. <laughs> <Manning>. <laughs> Draft guy. No, um, I mean he's not a sleeper sleeper, but man, I love Zay Flowers' tape. Man, I, you know he he he's probably going to be a second round wide receiver, but I just a receiver. Think, hey, this is a, oh, I'm not taking the receiver. I, oh, I thought we were just talking about uh, guys. No, I'm just like. You're right. You're right. My bad. My this bad. Guy. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's for the Raiders. It's for the Raiders. Man. Come on, man. Give me somebody else though. Besides Zay Flowers is great, but give me another the sleeper round for, for the Raiders. Sean, you go first. So I got I to oh, come geez. back to this one. I'll right. jump in. I'm going to go uh, with um, a, a different defensive player um, that I also kind of took note of at the, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Dayon Henley. He's a linebacker at Washington State. He's like a little bit undersized. He's like six foot around 230. But I was just at the Senior Bowl, I was watching him during coverage drills and like nobody could get open, like running backs, tight ends, receivers. Like he was keeping up with everybody. Um, he was a hundred plus tackle guys last year in college, even rushed the passer a little bit. I think he had four sacks. Um, and he has like the, the, the build of like a prototypical modern linebacker that can cover, stop the run, 
um, and rush the passer. You know, he's a guy that maybe they don't need him to start this year since they signed Robert Spillane and, and Devon Diablo, but he could or he could work in, you know, when they're in their 4-3 base. You know, he's still kind of learning the position a little bit. Like he was a, a safety um, when he started off his college career. So he, he's still pretty moldable at the position. Um, probably needs to gain a little bit of weight and get it to get stronger. But I think he's a future you know, starting nickel linebacker in this league and is a guy that probably would be available mid-late third round. I think we got him 80th overall in our mock draft, so that, that'd be my guy. All right, I'm going to give you a, a fifth-round pick. I'm going to go homer pick, San Jose State's junior Fajoko. Defensive end, uh, he's got some versatility to, to move inside, but, uh, you know, he's 6'4", like 275. Uh, not a, he's not a bendy, like, speed edge rusher, um, but I, I think he can probably get a little bigger, and he, he's a guy that you know, high energy guy. Uh, I think I think he, as a mid round pick, he, he's a guy that can uh, can be a, a depth piece on their defensive line, and uh, they certainly need some guys like that. So Homer pick Junior Fajoko. Uh, I'm going Zach Kuntz from uh, Old Dominion, probably a fourth fifth round guy, freak athlete. We, we know the Raiders need a tight end, and if they do decide to go heavy defense early on. You know, maybe they can get Koontz in a, in a, in a mid-rounds. So obviously, he needs a lot of development as far as his blocking and route running. But, you know, high upside guy that, you know, could be a... T- I don't think, you know, he'll play too much year one, but he could be a high upside tight end prospect for the future. And obviously, the Raiders have Hooper, so they don't need to rush him in. I like Sounds it. Sounds good, man. We are in the midst of our beat writer mock draft, and Tashawn is on the clock. Um, Who's available? I kind of like... I, I mean, do we, yeah. we want to see... Let's do it. Let's do it. Can we do this? All right, yeah, so... I, the, I mean, the, no no cornerbacks have gone off the board. You yeah. have your choice of uh, you you have Devon Witherspoon available yeah. at number seven. But Jalen Carter, Deshaun is looking. Jalen Carter's it, it, gone. Deshaun has been making trade calls all all day. I don't think anybody's um, trying to trade up. But Tyree Wilson just went six, so he's gone. Anthony Richardson is gone. Lions do Lions do not go cornerbacks. Yeah, Will Anderson. I mean, it's, it's feeling there. like it's feeling like Christian Gonzalez. Levis is there, right? Will, Will Levis, Levis does not exist there. to me. I, I think we're. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're not. We're, not that we're, we're taking we're, him. He but, threw uh, the ball off his knees at the fifty yard line. Yo, Jamarcus post. Russell did some incredible on, things, man. very similar to that, <laughs> and we saw how that turned <laughs> out. Uh, so, our, so all right, the debate: De- Devon Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez? What are we, what are we doing here? Vic's going. I love. I love I This is my favorite. But I mean, I, but I can tell us. I get also. So I'll give you. You can decide. But uh, I like. I love Witherspoon. But um, this is inside the war room right here. What are you, yeah, Ted? Ted, <laughs> Ted, where are you at with it? Gonzalez. Who's your number one cornerback? Do Gonzalez. Why? Why, Ted? Give, give me a why. I just think he's better press, and I think the Raiders want to be more of a press team and uh, be a little more aggressive on defense. I think he fits that profile a little bit better. Jimmy, any any strong feelings about it? I haven't studied these guys like you have. I just I, I read the work you guys do. So uh, I, I know Vic. I know Vic loves Witherspoon. So uh, I'll, I'll go with Vic's guy. Uh, so we have a two-two split. Oh man, two-two split. Brian, let's go, Brian. Brian. Our producer, <laughs> Brian, get in here, man. What, what are we doing? Are we going Gonzalez? He, he's a he's a big Will Levis guy. I can see Brian being. Oh jeez, <laughs> he, he likes mayo in the coffee. Brian goes with Witherspoon. Yes. Yes. Do we, do we, do we have <laughs> the to, crowd goes wild. Yes. But see, but, but see, but we got to we got to check the contract now. Who has decision making power in the draft here in, ah, in these contracts? That's we got, true. We got we got to see. You know, this is this. It's you know, you try to build consensus in these draft rooms, but it's it's not the. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to at some point, whoever has that in their contract gets to make the call. Yeah, I might I might go John Gruden from a draft perspective, uh, and, and just overrule everybody here. We'll we'll see. Now I actually want to see if it, see if anybody wants to make some trades. Let's see here. As Deshaun makes that decision for the beat writer mock draft, we are all going to make our pick. Here we go. Um, we'll wrap up this show with everybody. Who do the Raiders take in the first round? We're not gonna, you know, it doesn't have to be number seven. Um, you trade back, but give us one name, the only one name. We're gonna hold you to it. That's your pick for the Raiders at number seven. I mean, I'll go first. I'll be obvious. I'll, I'll go with Witherspoon. That's my guy. I think he's a great fit. I think. Um... I think it fits well with the scheme. I think he's a big-time playmaker. I think he can do a lot of things in terms of where he can play in the field, versatility, uh, good in coverage, can tackle really well, hits the hell out of people. So he's my guy. So I think uh, that's the guy I'll say. With a spoon for the Raiders in the first round. I'll go. I know Deshaun uh, said he doesn't think he's going to be there, but Tyree Wilson, he uh, he ends up falling, and it's a name that we haven't been yeah, projecting. And, 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 and to me, to me like – if I'm going to make a final pick, I'm going to go with a name that we haven't been projecting because that is that is what happens when the Raiders draft. They they get on the board and they they draft somebody that we all say what? I like it. But I don't think we're going to be saying what there. I mean, I think uh, 
I don't think that would be a bad pick at seven, um, but that's where I'm going. I'm just going to say C.J. Stroud. Wow. Texas, Texas, <laughs> pick, Texas trade pick a non-quarterback. Trade up. Trade up. They, to, they, they trade up and they get They go Stroud. up to three? At seven? No, no, at three. Oh, oh okay. I was about to say, there's no way in hell. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going with Christian Gonzalez. I'll do that. I'll go with I want I want to say Anthony Richardson. Everybody knows I'm his agent now. Like I've I've been rooting for him for months. Um, but it just for one, he I, I, seeming like he's probably not going to be there. And if he is, you know, it may not be the most prudent situation um, to draft him given their current setup. And so I'm going to go with Christian Gonzalez, Oregon cornerback. I think he's the best corner in the draft. You know, he has Pro Bowl upside, year one starter. Going to roll with the Oregon kid. Whoever wins here, if any of us win, we all go out for a steak dinner, and the winner gets to choose Ooh. how all the steaks are cooked. <laughs> okay. All right. So hopefully I win so I can make y'all I'll eat some real steak. <laughs> uh, I know that, that we, we put no pressure yeah. really on for, for Vic and, and Ted and I because you know, we, we, we have three picks basically to your one, and we're, uh, we're all fine if uh, we go. Maybe we'll come up. Uh, and and that, the winner so doesn't pay. Right the winner now. doesn't pay. And gets to yeah, choose yeah. choose split between the other three the, the cook level yeah the winner the winner gets to choose the way the steaks are cooked and the other three people split the bill yeah. I like it I got I got offered a steak dinner recently but somebody that should not be shall not be named and I'm a little bit concerned about yeah. their, go, their go, go have your steak I don't, I don't yeah, know man. man I don't know you man. want your you want your advice man yeah man yeah wise you're a wise man I want your yeah. advice man. I'm surprised Ted didn't say B. John Robinson, you know, with the way he's been picking shit today. Said Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers to sleep. That was good. Not for the Raiders. Yeah, it's not a Raiders podcast. Yeah, this is a fucking Raiders podcast. Not for the Raiders. Ted, Ted, Ted. All right, guys. Well, all righty, y'all. Well, that'll wrap up our draft preview. Um, We'll see. Oh, you know, if, if thir- I have a caller for number seven. Yes, let's go. Ooh, the Tennessee Titans are on the line. We'll see what ah, happens. Ooh, Stay okay, tuned. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how Thursday goes. Maybe uh, you know, especially if it's a wild day, wild pick. If they jump up, they get C.J. Stroud. We'll uh, maybe come with some live reaction on a uh, live room later. I don't know. It's gonna it's going to be a busy day for all of us, but uh, maybe we'll make some plans for Friday afternoon, Friday morning to uh, discuss whatever happens on. Uh, in round one in a live room or something like that. But uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a big day uh, for the Raiders. Uh, draft day is always exciting. And um, this regime needs to nail this draft uh, very, very badly. So we'll see what they can do. Adios. Later. All right, y'all. Peace. What is the exact definition of uh, Fugazi? <laughs> <laughs>